0: Who's ready for season two? Welcome back to Kylie Says. Today's episode features Alexis Frey, Human Design Reader and your spiritual bestie that you can find on Instagram at DestinationXAlexis. I'll be sure to link her page in the show notes below. She also has a new Instagram page called Human Design Survivor Guide and it basically breaks down and decodes your human design for you in the most simplistic way. She is so passionate about human design. She's also just an amazing person and a friend that I've built through my human design mentorship with Leah McLeod, who runs the Design of You page. Today's episode is all about being in your 20s and being sober curious and what her practice with sobriety has looked like. I do have a trigger warning for this episode because we do talk about some sensitivities and trauma related to alcohol-induced situations such as being roofied in the past and how some of those scenarios have shaped her current relationship with alcohol and how some of those scenarios created a sense of peace in her mind around what it meant to let go of drinking in some of those situations and how she's used that as a more powerful opportunity to find herself and connect more deeply to her intuition and her spiritual self. She also gives us all of the insight into the different sorts of alcohols that she's turning to that are, spoiler alert, non-alcoholic, how she orders drinks when she's out at a bar or out with friends, and even some of the non-alcoholic beverages that she'll take to her friends' houses when they're making cocktails or mocktails to allow them to whip something up for her to make her feel like she's included in the fun without having any alcohol herself. We talk a lot about her upbringing and family situations with alcohol. And the reason why I thought that this was such an important episode going into the holidays is because I think a number of us go through this push and pull when it comes to scenarios with past friends, high school friends, etc. When we're going and meeting with family around Christmas, around Thanksgiving, around New Year's and what our relationship with alcohol looks like most of us at the end of the day want to feel good whether we're drinking or whether we're not and at times I know myself there have been occasions where I've absolutely overindulged in alcohol and I have felt guilt the next day I have felt shame the next day and I've toyed around with this idea of sobriety myself not because I think that I inherently have any problem with alcohol but just because I've been curious to see what it would be like to be completely alcohol free obviously I was pregnant twice so I was completely alcohol free during both of those pregnancies and we talk a bit about that as well and what it's like when you have a girlfriend who's telling you that she's trying to stop drinking that she's not pregnant and some of the some of the thinking that goes into that and how those people are often portrayed. Oh, there must be a problem. And then when you have a different scenario in life, when your friends are actually becoming pregnant, and there's a completely different reaction to, oh, let me help take care of you. Let's get you a mocktail. And it's celebrated that you're not drinking. So we talk about all of those different scenarios, which I think are really important for women in their 20s or in their 30s to keep in mind. I'm very excited for you to hear this
1: episode. I can't wait for your feedback. Enjoy. You know what's a fun fact, Alexis? You are actually my very first return guest Wait, no way. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) So I've had, obviously when I talk with people, I'm like, we have to get you back and, you know, talking about, oh, next time we can cover this and next time we can cover this. And when you and I chatted last time, and we were already kind of talking about this just a few minutes ago, but there was like this before of when we talked, I don't even know how many months ago now to now, And things have changed for both of us. You are about to start a new job. Now you've started it. You're in a different period of reflection and of decision-making. I was talking about like, oh, I want to start something. I just launched it. It's been one year for both of us since we both launched our podcasts, which is so funny because we must've had that same universal nudge at the same time of year, which to me is very interesting. So First of all, welcome back. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I remember the
2: last episode feeling so empowered, like in like my voice and your voice. I feel like I I remember the energy of that conversation
1: feeling like, oh my God, that was a good one. Yay! I love that. You know, this might sound kind of silly, and I don't mean to make this like an ageist thing, but I kind of feel like you to me feel like my little sister that i want to just see be super successful and that i just like i'm just very proud of you for listening to what you know inherently that you want out of your life for doing the work and building your community around you i think every time i see you just like oh she's killing it on just being authentic it makes me like proud of you because I think that especially today, that's something that's really hard to do is to show up authentically when you want something out of life and you know what it is, but you're still, okay, I have to make a living. I have to follow some of these guidelines. I need to get there first, but how do I do it? But I just think that you need to be very proud of yourself for even taking the initiative to listen to that instinctual nudge that's telling you what you want to do. And that's giving you some of that like feedback from the universe about you're meant for this you're meant for something big so i just am very proud of you i think that you're doing so great in finding out what you want out of life and more people need to be doing that especially more young people
2: thank you that's definitely been a work in progress so that compliment means a ton to me i feel like the past handful of years has been deconditioning from everything that I thought I was going to do with my life and it feeling like such a forceful action whether that was applying to jobs that I thought I should want or living in places that I thought made sense it was a, a lot of deconditioning that and rediscovering or just discovering in general what I what do I want what am I actually curious about instead of pushing all that down because it didn't make sense and human design, obsessed with it. I have an open identity center. So I have been leaning into that hardcore and I'm so passionate about sharing human design specifically on identity and authenticity work because it's hard when you're growing up around people and trying to fit in and that's just a human thing. But you want to be true to you, but then what the heck does that mean? And when everyone's telling you who to be and what to buy and what to wear and how you should look and what you should, should and shouldn't say. And um like what you're actually here to voice and and stand for and as I've dug into my human design the past couple years it's just rung more and more true and I'm like oh my gosh this is what I've felt at the core and I can actually pinpoint when somebody said like yeah but be realistic or yeah but Hmm. like not everyone can have that or you know just shooting things down but then I read it in my human design and I'm like no this is like actually what i feel inside and i've felt this my entire life and everybody was just dampening it with their criticism and now you know what screw it i'm going to let it show and i know that this is my purpose mission passion and how i'm meant to be and it feels so true and something about that reassurance of seeing it on paper and having that depth explored through spirituality and human design and just mindset and personal growth if you're not into the woo woo stuff um has just changed my life so much which is why i'm so passionate about it my family used to call me um debbie downer not gonna lie if you can even believe that why um i went through a phase in i'd say high school i feel like middle school not so much but definitely high school of just heavy sighing and like you know kind of typical teenage stuff but just eye rolling sighing being so like energetically draining specifically around my family like they saw that side of me i guess because when i was home i would just like you know (laughs) i would just drain the energy in a room and so they would call me debbie downer cracked me up um cracks me up now looking back but
1: yeah Yeah, I'm like, you are so far from a Debbie Downer. So that must have been a lot of work. I know. (laughs) I can't even believe looking
2: back. I'm like, whoa, who was
1: she? And also I love her for making it through. Yeah. One thing I relate to you very deeply on the Open Identity Center because I also have an open identity center. And when I read that part of my human design, it made me think back to middle school and high school when I would literally change my handwriting to try to mirror someone else's that I looked up to or that I wanted to be or that I thought had just like this tangible something that I didn't have. Like that's how disconnected I felt from myself that I had to mirror someone else's handwriting that took me so much longer to do (laughs) for reports or whatever the case might be just to feel connected to an identity even though it wasn't my own.
2: I used to mess around with that too, but I was also left-handed and trying to avoid the left-handed smeariness of writing across the page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I would write in
1: different fonts, I guess. Does everyone not do that? Yeah. That's- <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I feel like no, but maybe it just felt like I knew I was being inauthentic and because I always have had this desire to be authentic, but I've never truly known what does that look like. Maybe it like made me feel like a fraud when I was trying out these different hand, like handwriting styles and yeah, technically fonts, but I don't know. It could just be something that I think you just go through when you're that age, like 11 to 16 anyways.
2: Yeah. It's a wild time. Those kids are going through it. Even though they're all like, Gen Z is weird. I'm technically the eldest Gen Z in 1997, Mm -hmm. but even though they look like they have it together because they have all the, you know, social media influences and they know how to dress themselves so well and like do makeup so well. They have all the tutorials and things. And I feel like I did get into that. That was when like back when I was in high school, I was watching Jaclyn Hill's YouTube videos and messing around with makeup. And so I kind of didn't know what I was doing. I feel like I was on the early, early adopters phase of that, like the makeup influencers. Um But yeah, now it's like the young generation looks like they have it together so much, but I know they're still going through it. I know there's still that human experience that they're having and they're just holding it in and then also feeling so much pressure from socials. I can't even imagine going through school with all of the socials that I have now because everything kind of came out when I was in eighth grade, ninth grade. Like I remember downloading Instagram For the first time, I remember reading about it in Teen Vogue and then downloaded the Instagram app, but we also had Yik Yak. I don't know if you remember that one. I was just reflecting on that. I'm like, no no wonder we were like traumatized with drama. It was an anonymous posting app and people would just post drama on there with like people's initials like so-and-so is actually talking to blah, blah, blah behind so-and-so's back. Like, they would post that publicly on the app and people would get roasted and called out for things anonymously on this. It was awful. For anybody listening to this that survived Yik Yak, I'm proud of you. That was a
1: horrible app. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't have, like, any of these things until after I was out of college, pretty much. Like, I graduated college in 2010 and I didn't have an Instagram for a long time. Like, I just didn't I wasn't interested in it. I didn't think that it was going to be successful at the time. I was like, who's like, what are you even going to be posting about? Because we would have to upload albums to Facebook, like (gasps) PD, like 20, like 2007. And then we'd have to upload a hundred photos and it would take forever. But that was actually part of the fun because half the time you didn't really know what you were going to get. And so it made it the experience a lot more authentic. But I want to get back on the authenticity train and talk about how like the conversation that we're here to have today, mm-hmm. because obviously last time we focused a lot more on human design, on neuro-linguistic programming and how you're certified there and kind of what you're hoping to get out of just life and how you want to build your own sort of business and finding out where you fit in this world and where you fit in like, what does a job look like but then I started noticing that you were doing some more like sober curiosity, sober posting. And I have been, people might not believe this about me because I'm kind of known as like a our really hardcore like partier, drinker, wine all the time person. But I've had a nudge for a while from the universe about slowing down the drinking or giving it up forever or for an amount of time. But I saw that you were also kind of posting about some of that and just like okay I'm going out I'm not drinking and I want to learn a bit more about that. How did that come up as you're exploring your identity center or your open identity center and your authenticity and what that looks like? Can you like tell us more about that?
2: Yeah, I I haven't gone into full detail on the deep reasons behind why and I feel like there's been just a gradual nudge and then the nudge started turning into a shove of like, dude, why are you doing this? Like, you know that it makes you feel crappy, like makes your body feel bad. It makes you say things that are so not you. It makes you anxious for days after. It it takes me at least probably three days to get over a hangover. And that is not just feeling tired and physically crappy it's the anxiety afterwards of what did i say to who did i offend them and reading into things and that had always been there like the anxiety i guess but Mm -hmm. on a deeper level of just it's not good for you um and i want to be clear with anybody that's listening i i drank on september 1st that was the last time i had anything and now it's november 24th so i guess it's been almost three months But the rest of this year, I could probably count on one hand the amount of times I have drank this year. So it was a lot of cutting back. And I focused in 2023 to be intentional and only drink on special occasions or events or with positive intention. So that was how I went about it this year. But if we're going to rewind a bit farther, it's been very, very gradual. And everybody's journey looks a lot different. Because we were talking about this before we even press record. I think a lot of people see someone not drinking and they're like, oh, they must have went through it. Like they had this horrible experience where like they were in an accident or something bad, bad, bad happened. Rock bottom happened. And we glitched there for a second. So I, I hope that yeah. was recorded. Not sure. Um, But you don't actually have to hit rock bottom. That's what we were talking about. You don't have to hit rock bottom in order to make a change in your life. So for me, it was much more gradual and I drank a lot in college. I actually, I didn't drink until senior year of high school. I I drank at one party that was the first time. And then college came about and it was party culture. And I was in Greek life and we had parties and exchanges and formals. And so there was a lot of drinking culture there. And I then went and started going out Wednesday to Saturday because it would then I turned 21 and it was Ladies' Night at the bar on Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday. Then it was Friday, Saturday. So you'd go out and it was just, yeah, that's what everybody did. And you knew you would see your friends at the bar. So that's just what I did. I was just in that drinking and hookup culture. (laughs) That's what I was busy doing. So I was down that rabbit hole for a long time in college and then Slowly, I just got busy and tired. I feel like as you go through college, like wild times, freshman, sophomore year, half of junior year, and then I got into senior year and I was just tired and I had projects and I was graduating and it kind of still went out a lot. But um, in there, like in all of that, there's definitely scary experiences. Like, why did I walk home alone from the bar and run away from my friends? Because I was a runner. I was, she's a runner. She's a track star. I am that friend. (laughs) I am that friend. Like if I decide to go home, I'm leaving with or without you. And I would do that to my friends and I would walk home alone in the city. Dangerous. First of all, don't do that. Um, Why did I do that? Um, I would talk to and hook up with people that were probably not my type or not for me and then feel really bad about myself the next day for like, why did I make that decision? And then I don't know. So that made me question myself and I would feel crappy about what I said and then also what I did. Um, Didn't like that. And then there are some trigger warning experiences here, I guess I want to say. I was roofied at a party once and woke up in the hospital. Nothing bad happened. Luckily, I was with a friend and she – carried me like on her back four blocks all the way back to the house and called the ambulance for me. And I woke up and had no idea where it was. It was the scariest thing. And I was down for the count for a couple of days, like just in and out of just confusion. And it just wrecked me. And I know that I was roofied because I was intentionally not drinking that night. I had like one glass of wine and then one shot at a, at of fraternity. I hate to say it. Um, and some people are like, oh, yeah, well, don't oh drink at the fraternity. Goodness. And it's like your friends are those guys, and you just don't expect it to happen. And I honestly don't blame them. I don't think it was the guys that I'm friends with that did it. There's a lot of strangers at the party, too. And you never know if it's in the bottle or if it's in the cup or if it – there's so many variations that of ways that it could happen. And that was one, like, big, big event that happened to me. But that didn't stop me. At, at that point, then I was just like – kind of annoyed. And then I was more careful. Like I only bought like cans and bottles at the bar and like kept my hand over the top of the cup. And I was more cautious in that way. Um, And then there was one other big event that really rocked my world that I woke up with somebody that I never showed interest in and there I had no recollection of and we can all label it what it was. But that took a long time of therapy and stuff to get over. And not really over, but through and, like, learn from and grow from and, I guess, forgive myself for. Like, you know, it's not your fault, but it still feels like, man, I shouldn't have drank so much. But also, there's two sides of the story, too. Um, so, I guess those two events are, like, the core, like, core, core base of why I'm, like, okay, those are really impactful events. Um that really shook me. And I'm just like, yeah, those were a big deal. And then I definitely numbed it out and was like, no, I'm fine. Let's move on, um because that was early college, and then just moved on and kept going out, kept drinking, everything's fine. Move on with life. Let's get the corporate job. Let's follow the path and do all the things that everybody thinks you're going to do, and covered it up with straight A's and working late nights, and, you know, let's just keep being me. Like as long as I achieve, Everything's going to be fine. (laughs) And I was definitely rocked on the inside and didn't talk about it with people, I guess. So there's that. I feel like that's worth saying. And I've never really put that out there, what happened. This feels like a safe space. I don't know why. I feel like I could share this on my own podcast, but that feels a little bit too close to home. And I feel like (laughs) I'm in a safe space with Kylie here. Um, And I know that there's people that will relate to it. And I know there's people... Girls out there feeling like it's their fault because they shouldn't have had so much. But but you should also feel safe in your environment too. So I don't want you to blame yourself if anything bad has happened to you in relationship to alcohol because there's been like fights with family members that were over stupid stuff. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Like anytime we get together and drink, it's just it's not fun anymore. It's like a fine time for a little bit, and then all of a sudden it ends with a fight. Someone's leaving the room like mad at everybody and I just started to notice that little stuff and I'm like this hurts relationships at least the relationships around me and we're not connecting on a deeper level we're not talking about things that matter um everybody feels crappy the next day and eats crappy food is treating their bodies poorly which is a very (laughs) I'm very passionate about treating your body well so I guess that at a core to me um just didn't resonate didn't make sense to go and take care of your body all week and then tear it down on the weekend just doesn't doesn't ring true to me anymore because I did that for a long time let's be clear (laughs) um so it's been a long time coming and I gradually said okay I'm going out Wednesday to Saturday let's just go out on Fridays and Saturdays that was my senior year of college okay just the weekend that's fine and then I kind of kept doing that then COVID hit and I was waitressing and had an off schedule. We were all rocked in weird ways. And we were – the house I was living in, we were waking up, drinking with breakfast, staying up until 2 a.m. playing Catan. And and doing – just – Or we were so out of whack. I couldn't go to the gym. My body was so confused. And we were just drinking a lot because what else is there to do? And also for anybody that's in the service industry just knows drugs and alcohol are kind of rampant there. And it's just expected. So – I was drinking a lot during COVID with really no restrictions because we were bored. And then I decided to travel. And so I think we touched on this probably in the first episode I was on with Kylie here. But I decided to road trip out west for three months. And since I was driving, that kind of forced me to. And for my own safety, I wasn't going to drink alone. I'm not going to drink and drive. I'm not going to, like, inhibit myself in an unfamiliar place for my own safety. So there was a handful of times in the first month that I drank and every time I felt unsafe just because I didn't know my surroundings. And so I avoided that as much as I could. And maybe the most I'd have is like a beer with dinner or something if I went out with somebody that I was meeting up with. And so that kind of forced me to because I was traveling to cut back a little bit. And then I got back home and it was summertime and we're drinking on the boat. And I'm like, okay, so now we're back to this whole drinking in the afternoons and the weekends and winding down with a beer and I'm like man is this really winding me down if I feel so bad about it afterwards is this really how I want to wind down so I started buying San Pellegrinos because they psyched me out into thinking they were white claws cuz I I was a white claw girl I would drink those like crazy and like water because they taste like water so I started investing and experimenting with more mocktail type things because it would psych me out. And I like the culture of it. I love socializing. I like having something in my hand. And the first hurdle for me, was, what are people going to think? Like somebody's going to go and order me a drink at the bar and I'm going to say, no, what do you mean? I'm going to say, no, they're going to look at me like I'm a psycho. I'm from the Midwest. (laughs) Who doesn't want a beer on a sunny Friday afternoon? So I started like buying, NA things and coming up with NA little mocktails that I could order at the bar, whether that was just a Shirley Temple, that was the first thing because that's easy. Um, Now I really like Sprite and pineapple juice, that's really easy for a little mocktail at the bar. Um, But I just started small there, or I would do a white claw and then a San Pellegrino and then a white claw and I would like stagger them. And so it was these little excuses of, oh, I'll just have a couple, or oh, I'm only gonna have three and then I'm only, or I'm only gonna have two tonight. And that was good for a while. Two. And then again, like I just kept getting these nudges where I just asked myself, is this making the night any more fun? Is this making the experience any better? And the answer that always rang back was not really because I'm worried about how am I getting home? Do I need to order an Uber? Who's driving? Or I don't, there's just so many things that run your mind that you don't even realize you're thinking about. Or where am I getting the next drink? Who's going to go to the liquor store? Oh, do I have any cash on me? There, Do I have um, like some ones to tip the bartender? Oh, we need to go get that. We need to go to an ATM. There's so many things that you think about in regard to drinking and going out and socializing that you just don't even realize until you take a step back and (laughs) realize, oh, I don't even have to think about that because I'm getting myself home or I'm getting my friends home. That's Mm -hmm. also really motivated me this year. I've been the driver and it's been so much fun. And your friends get to be goofy and you get to keep all their secrets that they spill to you. And get them their mcdonald's and it's just, it's silly fun <laughs> but if you can reframe it in that way and like you are taking care of the people you care about most um i've definitely done that a few times this year too but i think all of that background is necessary to understand that it was a slippery slope for me and i've always kind of felt this pull, not pull to alcohol because I feel like I'm I'm pretty good at deciding something and just like quitting it or making a commitment and doing it. I've always had that that drive, I guess, if you're looking at my human design <laughs> and my, my consistent root center of just, you know, making a decision and going for it. But I do know that if I am drinking and I have more than two, if I start that third one, I want to party. And I just want to keep going. Uh And then I'm that person that I will say, you're driving me home tonight. Cool. Like, make sure I go with you. And then we get it later into the night and I'm like, oh no, I don't want to go. You go without me. I'll just Uber or no, I'll get a ride with them or I'll just stay over because I want to end the party. I don't want to miss anything. And I would start start and end the party in college too. So I've really learned to just you know, observe the surroundings and it might be 930 for me. And I decide, you know, that's good. I'm going to go home now. <laughs> and I find joy in the dressing up of it and taking pictures with friends and listening to the music. And last night was Thanksgiving. And I've realized that the conversations have switched from why aren't you drinking and me taking it. I think it's all how I was taking it of worrying people that were going to ask questions and say, well, why aren't you in like a negative way or like that's ridiculous judgmental way. And now it's shifted for me in the past couple months of people saying, oh, like, why aren't you drinking? Or I've been so interested. I have no idea where to start, though. Like my life revolves around drinking. And so people have been asking me for advice or asking questions out of curiosity rather than judgment. And I think that all has to do with my mindset around it and me being open and more solid in the decision in it that it's kind of shifted what questions I'm attracting, but it's all a journey, And I don't yeah. think I'm ever going to say like, I'm sober because it also triggered me to say that. like, Because then if you have a drink, like I did September 1st, I was at the state fair. I think it's way worse for you to judge yourself for having one then just to enjoy it if you're with friends and family and then move on. And then you don't have to drink for five months if you don't want to. But as long as you're making the decision from an intentional place and it's for positive intent, specifically, like a lot of stress on that, then I think, you know, the journey is up to you to decide when it's serving you and when it's not, and you'll know when it's not.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. First of all, that took I'm sure a lot of courage to be able to just talk about in general. I think that there's this overwhelming sense of guilt that's associated with alcohol in general. And then as a young woman, trying to kind of like figure out your path and figure out the lifestyle that works for you, and then being in situations where there is a lapse of memory or waking up and just feeling terrible and then having to kind of live with those consequences. It's still insane to me that it is actually the most readily available toxic substance that we can all get and it's so accepted and there's been this culture that's been created around it. Like, party culture is cool if you're the party one. Like, I was the same way. I still kind of am to a degree about like, I'll start it and I'll end it. Like, I can drink with the boys. Like, that was always something I always used to say in college that was something I was like proud of. And I think a lot of what you said will resonate with a lot of people, not only the situations and the scenarios, but also when you kind of start becoming aware of some of the things where you're like, is this a problem? I remember also being concerned about having one drink in my hand and wondering, when am I going to get my next drink? Mm -hmm. What do I, how do I have to like, how are we going to get to the bar in order for us to have someone buy us another drink? And that's, Obviously problematic, but I think one thing that you touched on that is actually really important that I was someone on another podcast had said something along the lines of people really don't care about you that much and not in a negative way, but we place all of this importance on what are other people going to think if I do this instead of just saying I'm doing this, they will love and respect it no matter what. And we wonder what are they going to think if I go off my traditional habits how, how are they going to interact with me if I'm not drinking, but we traditionally drink together? What might that look like when overwhelmingly the people that love and care about you are going to just say, oh, why? And then be like, oh, okay, great. Good for you. Maybe I should do that. And most of the time the experiences are positive, but because it's so culturally acceptable to be the drunk party person and always want to be engaging in those sorts of behaviors, it's almost stranger to be more mindful of your health and wellness than it is to just let it go and drink away your feelings and your emotions because it takes a lot more courage and a lot more strength and a lot more awareness and intention to say, I am not going to drink because I found that it's not serving me in these ways when I'm trying to become the best or highest version of myself. Or whatever the case may be. And I'm definitely someone that once I start, it is difficult for me to stop. Because then I loosen up. I'm having some more fun. We're dancing on the tables. We're joking back and forth. We're going to the drive through Like there are so many things that just make it everything feel a little bit more lax. So first of all, I mean, that's great that you have even been able to intentionally make a connection between how your body feels and how you want your body, your mind, and your spirit to feel in this life and in some of these places where drinking is so prevalent. So have you found that when you're not drinking, the response has actually been different than what you were anticipating it might be from your friends?
2: I think at the beginning – Or the first few times that I decided to go out and just try not drinking for one night, I was perceiving the world as eyes on me because I was feeling so out of my element. And it was a me thing. I think the whole time it's been a me thing. And that's kind of – I mean, life is like that. (laughs) Whatever you are expecting to get, you will receive. So I would go out and feel weird going up to the bar with my friends and they're ordering like – you know, espresso martinis. And then I say, oh, I'll take a Shirley Temple, please. And people are like, a Shirley Mm -hmm. Temple with what? With vodka? And I'm like, no, no, please no vodka. Like, let's just, I'm just going to sip this. And I kind of hid behind being the driver a few times for sure. I was like, you know what? I'll drive. Then you don't get questions. And I'm like, you know what? That's a tool Mm -hmm. actually for anybody that is curious, but doesn't really want to put it out there, isn't ready to rock the friend group, I guess. Just offer to drive one night, like you know i'm not I'm just not feeling it. I'll drive. I still want to go out and hang out and dress up and have a good time with you guys, but I'll drive you cool like that's a good kind of safety blanket way to start or to experiment and just see how you feel around your friends when they're partying and you are just kind of observing the environment. Um I feel like all of my friends that I've been close with for a long, long time, none of that's changed, and I still. Mm-hmm. Like I said, everybody's relationship is so different. Some people can't have the alcohol around them. Totally understand. For me, it's less that. Like I still it love the flavor. I love athletic brewing. I love IPAs. So like I'll buy those types of things so that I can enjoy a fun drink. I, I call them fun drinks. All my friends know. I'm like, oh, I brought my fun drinks, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and – I had a movie night with a friend and she brought over a bottle of wine for herself, that's fine, and I made myself a mocktail and we have had a great time. (laughs) And so that doesn't bother me, but I know everybody's so different. I just, yeah, I think it can change your friend groups. For me, it didn't too much because I was already traveling and I was by myself a lot. And now I just go out to dinners with friends and they'll order cocktails and I'll order a mocktail, which they're becoming so readily available on menus around here in Minneapolis I would assume maybe out in california they are too but i'm Mm -hmm. so excited to see like there's actually mocktail menus like on the menu and they'll have more than one option and and they're creative and they're fun and it's it's just such a good option i love that and regardless for people that are you know maybe changing their relationship with alcohol like also for like someone that's pregnant and doesn't want to drink but wants to feel involved like i actually am wondering i want to hear from you if, from going from party culture because i have found this so, so fascinating that women partying their lives away and then for nine months they're super duper healthy and then oh i can't wait to have this baby to have a glass of wine and then it's like okay so now you're gonna go right back to where you started i kind of wonder how that gap feels when it's like you'll do this for the child but like why wouldn't you do it for yourself afterwards because i think a lot of women go through that roller coaster of
1: i can't wait to get back you know yeah i think that there's a i think that that's a great question and i think there's this social pressure when you get pregnant everything is how are you going to bounce back how are you going to get your body back how are you going to get your life back how are you going to get this back how are you going to fit back into your old jeans there's this narrative around as soon as you get pregnant, that version of you just dies or stops and then you have to figure out, how am I going to get back to that? You never will and you never should. Or Well, not never should. That's I think you become a new version of yourself that relies on different things and whose values inherently are going to change. When I got pregnant, it was after my 30th birthday where all of my friends and me went to Palm Springs. We rented a house we cooked meals at the house and had like family dinners we got wasted went out to the club and it's actually kind of a joke because i got pregnant on that trip and so i always say oh you were all there and it's kind of like a joke (laughs) because they were but obviously they weren't but i think that you just kind of have to so when i found out i was pregnant i was thrilled I was so excited. It was the first time that I felt like despite my eating disorder, I felt so positive about my body in a way that I had never felt in my entire life. To see it growing and changing, every time my bump looked bigger, I felt so, so excited and happy and honored to be growing this baby that I, and you're right, like I would have done anything for this baby if it meant giving up drinking, giving up certain types of food, whatever the case might be. But then when it comes to like, well, what will I do for myself? There's always a level of, well, I can hurt myself as long as I'm not hurting someone else that I care Mm. about. But I think the drinking culture thing is kind of dependent on the person. I know in different countries, they still do drink when they're pregnant and it's not taboo. Here in the US, I think it is seen as quite taboo. If you were to go out like nine months pregnant and order a glass of red wine, I think that it would be very much looked down upon. I think that it's all dependent on what your comfort level is but also if you're breastfeeding right after you have a kid you can't just go back into that drinking. One thing I think that's a misconception is that people think, "Oh, I've had 9 months off, so my tolerance is going to be super low." I did not find that to be the case. Maybe a tad, but it's more like I had been I've been drinking since I was like 15 technically. So my body has had a lot of time to get used to the substance. It's like, if you've smoked weed since you were 15 and now you're 35 like me, you're probably not gonna suddenly be like, wow, I'm way higher than I was nine months ago. Like, I feel like it's gonna be relevant and similar, but I think it's just a little bit dependent. Like, and it's different when you're drinking and you're, you have no one in your friend group that's pregnant but when someone stops drinking because you're like, oh, what's going on? Like, why are you doing this? What are you trying to achieve? And then when you're with your girlfriends and they're not drinking and you're like, oh my God, you're pregnant, aren't you? And it's like, yeah, I'm pregnant. And you're like, oh my God, okay, like, let's get you a mocktail. And mm-hmm. it becomes this different perspective. Like, I'm so happy for you. Take care of them at all costs, whatever that they is, need, water, make that sure that they're hydrated. That is
2: so different than... Mm-hmm. It is, it is so funny and me being in the age i'm 26 so i feel like 26 year olds are all across the board like there's people that are married with their third child on the way there's people that are just getting engaged there's people that are single doing their corporate careers there's it's a weird time in your 20s <laughs> and so it is kind of like that i'm like i am single like i'm clearly not pregnant so i'm out there not drinking and it's more of that well why Though. And so, and it makes uh, other people do stop for a second. They're like, oh, cool. Or they're like, oh, well, I'm going to drink because blah, 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 blah. I'm like, that's cool. And then they're like, yeah, but it's just mm-hmm. because blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you don't have to justify it. It's okay. Like, I'm just not going to. And so, there has been some of that where I'm like, oh, you're really defending your drinking to me right now. You do not have to. <laughs> I'm just not doing it for myself. But Maybe you should reflect on that a little bit because it's bothering you that I'm not. So there's some of that. Not much though, but like it's all for you. Like I know that I'm I want to work up, work out at 7 a.m. tomorrow. So that's why I don't know. There's just your own personal reasons. And as I've gotten more solid in that and talking about it, or even coming on this podcast and talking so openly about it, um, it's become easier to have those conversations and just be like, oh no, I'm not, but like totally cool. Like I want to celebrate you. I went to a birthday party the other night downtown at this fancy lounge and I ordered a Shirley Temple. No shame. And
1: a lot mm-hmm. of times I'll
2: ask for things. They'll usually put any things na things in like plastic cups or even just sparkling water in water cups. And I will ask for it in a cocktail glass to feel included. And also just, I don't know, mm-hmm. it's fun to av- avoid looks, fit in, feels fun. You feel included. I am huge on the glass. Like I will put my fu- my mocktails in wine glasses. I just like holding it. Anything to just enhance the experience. I love that. But I wanted to I wanted to bring up one thing that was a thought way back, <laughs> but something that I asked myself and anybody listening to this that is thinking about cutting back, I just want you to ask yourself what you're drinking for do you feel like you're more fun? Do you feel like you're sexier? Do you feel like you're funnier? What is it that you're trying to enhance or take away? It kind of goes both ways, depends on your relationship, but there are people um, that are drinking to take away emotions or to cover up this or to wind down from work. Okay, well, what about work? is winding you up then like what about and do a bit of that reflection to understand why because it really helped me to understand that I was drinking for feeling like I mean I am witty witty and funny anyway but I felt a little bit more unfiltered I was you know a little bit more confident and it was it was like all these qualities that I wanted to enhance but I felt like you know the alcohol gave me that you know, I think most people do have that experience. And then I was also drinking drinking just for the flavor of it. I liked the things that I was drinking. I liked holding the drink. I liked that inclusion. So, how can I substitute a mocktail for that or how can I how can I get that experience and then also embody those qualities in sober me? Because why would I want a substance to show who I really am and why don't I just practice being more of that version of myself and we might have talked about this with the traveling thing but the reason I went and traveled was because I was watching all these YouTube videos of different creators Mm -hmm. and just admiring them and thinking they were so cool and like man I wish I could be like them and that stopped me for a second I was like whoa 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 what do you mean What do you mean be like them? What are you admiring? What qualities? And I was like, well, they're adventurous. They just do what they want. They go see new places. They are independent. They're all of these things. I wrote down all the qualities of things that I thought were so cool about these creators that I followed and decided, you know what? I'm going to do things that make me feel that way. And I have shifted so much. Like I said, I from Debbie Downer to, to now, from from type A strategic, like Google calendars, color-coded college me that did not want to make a mistake to traveling for three months with no plan by myself. I didn't even like driving or the outdoors, you guys. And I, I was like, I'm going to change this about myself and just for the better. And I think that's something yeah. that I've done through alcohol and like addressing that relationship too. And there's always work to be done. I feel like the next phase of growth for me is on (laughs) relationships, partnerships, and kind of working on some of the deeper seated traumas of that. But like the wheel goes round and round. There's always a certain slice of the pie that you'll be working on. And for me, the past couple of years has been, you know, personal discovery and, and alcohol was like this little current that I needed to address. So yeah, what are you trying to enhance or what are you trying to cover up and hide is a super good reflection that you really do need to sit down and be honest with yourself about?
1: 100%. I think that the reason why so many people drink is because they don't wanna have to do the reflection because the reflection is the hard part. The drinking is the easy part. Being able to drink and have a glass of wine without really thinking about why am I doing this? What is is the purpose of this? How is this serving me? Or when you go out at, at night, I also find that we are inherently oversharers because we live in such a judgmental society now, especially with all eyeballs being on us online. We always feel like you mentioned earlier when you don't drink you feel like everyone's eyeballs are on us because we're valuing parts of ourselves based on how people are reacting to us when in places that we're showing up online, on Instagram, at work. Then when you go out, it's also like, oh, well, I used to think like, oh, if no one hit on me tonight, then I must not be beautiful. And that's clearly not like how I would ever want like my daughter to feel, for instance. Like it makes me so sad. But that was like part of what was driving my eating disorder also. So I think inherently there are two things that I wanted to call out. One, what you brought up is so spot on, asking yourself the why. Why? People need to do that more, and that's the hardest part is being able to figure out that why, but also because we live in this culture of oversharing, it doesn't mean that you have to overshare. There's a sense of confidence you'll get in just saying, I'm not drinking, and then just moving on and saying, but if you want to grab me a pineapple juice later, you know where to find me. And kind of like, I always believe in, and this is kind of something I adopt at work also, if you can tell that something in how you might respond, that's how you need to do something for yourself might create an awkwardness or a tension for someone else, there is always a one-liner or a way for you to make that person feel more comfortable in your decision knowing I am sticking to this decision because it means something to me despite if it means something to them. So if I have to tell a client, I have, to, I have a hard stop at X 30 today. I, you know, I'm giving myself 10 minutes of no screen time so that I can eat my lunch without being on my computer. Like, thank you so much for understanding. It doesn't leave room for the questions. And if they do come back with the questions and it seems like there's a problem, you have to remember that that's not a reflection of you. Mm -hmm. And I think that not drinking is the same way. Like I always felt when I was pregnant, I had to explain, oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, it's because I'm pregnant instead of, you know, now, especially when you go out, the culture is very much like, you're not drinking. Well, why are you here? Like, what? what is the purpose? And I feel like you have to come up with those, similar to the questions of why are you drinking, you have to be able to come up with those responses that make you feel confident, secure in your decision without room for wavering. If you're trying to stick to something like this, that makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. If someone asks you, why, you're not, why are you not drinking? You can easily say, well, why are you drinking? And then say but again like if you want to get me my pineapple juice i'll be i'll be at that table over there yeah and then you can kind of just like leave the door open for more conversation like hey you intrigued me back there or yeah then someone can utilize that opportunity to get to know you and your reason i background. do
2: want to add something to that i think it's so important to set yourself up for success and this is something that comes from the nlp background is using masterful language that really you know if you say i'm sober now that can feel like so much and then if you have a sip of anything you've failed and then you feel guilt-ridden and then it was all for nothing and then you spiral and then it was well this is shit. i'm done so for me that's why it helped this has been such a long journey it went from drinking like most of the days of the week okay i'm just going to drink on weekends okay i'm just going to drink on saturdays okay i'm just going to drink at significant events. Okay. I'm doing sober September. Okay. I am just not drinking tonight. Like you can just say it that simply, like maybe it's your two weeks of not drinking so far, but you can always say, Oh, I'm just not feeling like drinking tonight and just make it tonight. Cause it's all about the present moment. Anyway, whatever happened back then doesn't matter. Like you're focusing on today and you're not drinking tonight at this party. And that's fine. And just make it so simple. And I feel like that took so much pressure off of myself instead of looking at the calendar and being like, oh, another day of of not drinking. And like I'm measuring this goal and I really want this to be a part of my lifestyle. So that takes the long haul and just gradual growth. And every day it's like, okay, like what's the reason I'm doing a workout or like I want to be able to have all my creativity here and not feel foggy and – there's all those reasons, but you don't have to say, oh, I'm sober. Like it can feel, I don't know. I feel like that word has been, I don't know, kind of shit on, I guess. Yeah, it
1: has sober. negative connotations yeah. because sober, has the, I think there's it. an indication that there's a problem mm-hmm. that caused you to be yes. sober or there's an issue that, you know, created a need for sobriety. Mm-hmm. So you must have had some sort of a problem. How are you approaching alcohol going into the holidays? Because I feel like the holidays are when people start reflecting on what they want in the year ahead and they start thinking about what do I want for myself in the new year? Like what did I accomplish this year? And that also can create some of that guilt and some of the shame. And I didn't reach any of the things I wanted to reach maybe, Mm -hmm. or I feel like I should have done X or Y. And then people say, I should probably drink less, but then we have Thanksgiving and there's Christmas, it's New Year's and then it's going to be spring break. Like, oh, how am I going to choose? Because there's always something. What is your approach right now going into the rest of the holidays?
2: I think I am just sticking to my mocktail game, honestly. Yesterday, I went over to a friend's giving and they were making cocktails. The guy hosting had these custom mocktails he was so proud of put together. He's like, you want to try it? I'm like, "I, it looks beautiful, but can you make a version with my ritual? I have ritual zero proof tequila i had it and i was like i'll bring that over because he was making a something tequila related he's like oh perfect and so he made me a version with that tequila that i that i brought and they make all Mm -hmm. sorts of different kinds there's gin vodka whatever there's zero proof of everything and the aisle is getting bigger and bigger at total wine here that's like the big box um liquor store here and so i kind of i make I mean I have so much fun with it. Like I I go and pick out new things that I haven't tried. I make it exciting. And like I said, luckily a lot of restaurants around here are starting to have more mocktails on the menu, so there's that. Um but I know that it can be tough to be around family and be sober. My sister's pregnant, so it's an interesting ordeal like this is her she's she's 22 but like, you know, when you're around family, you've been drinking around the holidays and stuff. And so this is her first time like hosting holiday things and then also being sober around family that is indulging. And that can be Mm -hmm. so different because it's one thing to be at the bar with a couple friends and then it's all strangers. But when it's all people you love that can all trigger you in so many unique ways and you aren't going to take the easy way out and just go chug a bottle of wine (laughs) in the living room. Yeah. You know, it just takes a lot of observation for me journaling. Like, why did that comment make me so mad? And there's been so much reflection because it's not like, oh, they're annoying. I'm going to go get a drink. It's, oh, they're yeah. annoying. I'm finding them annoying. What did they just say that really
1: lit something up in me? And let's. Or make you realize there are things about them that you're like, I don't know if I like yeah. that or if I can respond to that. And it makes it yeah or it's a
2: friend group you've been around and then it's like wait a minute we actually don't have anything in common except that we like to go to the same bar um Mm -hmm. but yeah going into the holidays i this also this is you would have some comments on this about food but i indulge in the sweets but i am also obsessed with fitness i'm obsessed with health and fitness but i do not track calories i do not track food i did in high school and i would like weigh things and count macros and have absurd amounts of protein (laughs) and i am like working for a fitness center now and trying to just be more intuitive with my body and if i want four pieces of pie i'm gonna eat the pie (laughs) so i definitely for breakfast breakfast, i literally just had two slices of pie for breakfast
0: well (laughs) before we hit
2: record but it's just easier for me that way like i'm not going to cut out those things that make me happy and i'm going to have my mocktail fun drinks i'm going to feel involved and that's just how i'm going into it i don't know if i have any specific tips because it's so different for per person if you can find a mocktail or something that can be a default for you to hold i i need something to hold if my hands are empty i don't know what to do with them that was one of my problems with going to the bar and so that's mocktails have been the solution um We have a special guest as
1: you can see. I see see that. Hello. That has wanted to join us. I have, so I'm starting this new three-question series at the end of every episode because I think I have, I listen to a few other podcasts that do this, and I love hearing everyone's answers to the same questions. The first one that I want to ask you, which I think maybe we'll be able to know the answer to, but- what are you the most proud of from this year?
2: Ooh, the most proud of. I feel like I have stepped so much more into who I am, what I want to do, what I'm here to do, and I think you can probably even vouch for that since we talked way back in, I think, March. It This year started with a lot of questioning and wondering where I'm going, what I'm doing. Is this even the right decision? And I've kind of relaxed into, wow, everything has just panned out exactly as it's supposed to, and it's going to continue to do that for the rest of my life. And I feel more zenned out, chilled out, and confident in my voice and what I'm saying and doing, which is awesome. And I I just am very proud of myself for that, for just accepting the transitions.
1: Yes, I see that in you also. Um, And I'm proud of you for that also. Second question – what is a product that you can't live without, whether it be wellness-related or beauty-related? You love both of those things, as do I. So very curious if there's something that you're like, oh, this I can't live without.
2: Okay, different categories. My Owala water bottle, obsessed with it. Mm. Um, Makeup-related, NYX, lip liners, and lip glosses. Their lip glosses are not sticky, and they're like 4 or $5 a piece, and so cute. I wear them every single day. And then skincare related, I've been using La Roche-Posay face wash and moisturizer. I've been skin cycling. So like it's um, exfoliate day, retinol day, hydrate, hydrate. So I have a bunch of products. La Roche-Posay is where I started. But yeah, um, love that product a lot. And then I just got on the castor oil train. So I've been oiling up my face at night. I look like a glazed
1: donut going to bed. Yes. That's the goal. The goal is to look like a glazed donut because I have not been getting Botox because I've been trying the Anna Grace castor oil. I love Anna Grace so much. (laughs) So this kind of leads into my third question, which is what is something in your routine that you either have added or that you refuse to give up?
2: Well, this year I feel like it's an easy... Answer for me because I started working for Lifetime Fitness. So I'm on their concierge team. I'm not an instructor or anything, but they have a ton of group classes. So I started cycling. I started doing CrossFit style training, circuit training. I started running this year, treadmill running, and not competitively. I have some crazy coworkers that like to run like 100 miles at a time, and I'm not that person. but exercise and fitness and making it a part of my routine and actually enjoying it and doing things that are fun. And I preach this to everybody that will listen, that fitness gets to be fun and you don't have to go to the gym and do a certain thing. Like literally just show up and use the machines that look fun to you and just just enjoy it. It's an adult playground and you get to listen to whatever music you want.
1: Oh, I love you get that. To- That's how I
2: how I treat it. I'm like you get to listen to whatever music you want and you get to go in there and do whatever you want as long as you are moving and challenging your body like go you go do yoga every day if you love it. But I really do like my job a lot because of that because we have bar we have yoga we have hit we have CrossFit and I have access to all those classes so fitness has really come back into my life. And that has just helped so much.
1: Move in a way that moves you I think is like the goal of what working out should Mm -hmm. be. There should be no comparison in how you move if it feels good for you.
2: And there's teamwork in that, like going to group classes. I was never a group class girl. I was a solo lifter like leave me alone i'm in the corner in my own world type of person until i got this job and now i've been in group fit and you see repeat people coming back and you give each other high fives and you're like oh my gosh and you mm-hmm. get to know them and ask how things went last week and there's so much community there so i i love it
1: <laughs> i love that those are all good and i'm going to have to ask you exactly how i spell that Owala water bottle because Owala
2: it is O W A L A and they sell them at Target and they're different colors. Like there's three different colors on each one. Oh. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, that's the, cute. The amazing thing about it, so it has a little handle so you can hold it. Like if you're hiking, it will swings and it's easy to hold. And then the top of it pops open and the mouthpiece, you can, there's a straw, but the straw is not sticking out, you know? So there's a straw or you can tip it. Okay, yes. I like that. I I always have to
1: have a certain water (laughs) bottle for when I'm at the gym because if I'm on like the stair stepper or something, you can't have one where you have to lift it up like that and chug it or you're going to spill it all over yourself. It's both. Yay. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming back. My first repeat visitor that I just am so excited about. I can't wait to follow how you move through this new journey of life and kind of where it takes you, what you continue to discover about yourself. We already went through a little bit about where people can find you last time, but can you tell us all again and maybe tell us what people might find when they come across your profile? Yeah,
2: I feel like so much has changed. I'm still at Destination X Alexis on I guess my more personal mindset, spiritual related um, Instagram. And then I'm starting slash I have started. There's one post on it. So (laughs) I'm working on it. um, At HD survival guide, human design survival guide. So I started a new Instagram for that so that I can just geek out over there and make memes and be spiritually funny and have that side of me as well. So I'm really excited for that. I've been focusing a lot on human design groups. So kind of intro to human design, decode your human design, purpose in human design or whatever The group is really leaning into or needing and I kind of adjust the presentation accordingly. I've done it a few times now. I did it for a therapy clinic that had a team of eight. So I did it for their team and kind of assess their charts and how their energies work together. And then I've done it for one of my other friends who has a spiritual community. So there were 14 girls on that call and we just kind of did decode your human design, how to like access your purpose and human design and, and all of that. So I've been really leaning into kind of that teaching and then community um in the larger group space, and I do one on- one readings as well. So anybody that wants a deeper reading after that or listening to this and would like a human design reading, I know Kylie does some as well. Um, so yeah, leaning into that too. And I've been starting to make resources. So I'm working on human design resources um, that. Um, that will be available in my bio soon too. So all sorts of moving parts around here. I'm just slowly but surely building. Building my business and what I'm meant to do, and just letting the universe guide me, I guess.
1: <laughs> I cannot wait to see some of your resources. I feel like you have, a, you're just so passionate about human design, but it comes across in how you talk about it, in how you show up online. And I feel like for anyone that's curious about it, it's it can seem convoluted and seem like, whoa, there are so many numbers here. There are so many pieces here. There are so many shapes and colors. Like what does this mean? But you approach it with such this calming energy of, hey, don't get overwhelmed. Like, let me help you understand what this is like, which for anyone that's curious, I think it that is absolutely the attitude that's needed if you're looking for someone to help you, to your point, decode what your human design might look like. Who might I be? How might my energy work? And for someone who's actually put it into practice and is now using it as a guidebook for their own well being that you're doing. I just think people definitely need to check out what you're creating and stay tuned on your human design resources in particular.
2: I'm having so much fun making memes, by the way. I am I need to show you after this some of the stuff I've been working on. You, you can get a Yeah, I want to see you.
1: <laughs> Okay. Well, thank yeah. you again, Alexis, so much. This was great to be able to reconnect with you. You're amazing and I always appreciate you spending some time with yeah, us here. So thank, thank, thank you
2: for you. having me on. I hope that anybody listening that's curious about, that's super curious that this helped and just know that everybody has their own journey and if you're just feeling that curiosity that's kind of the first nudge and you get to experiment and it's your life to play with so good luck and you've got this